0: How's everyone this morning? Good, good, This week has been, uh, at work has been kind of rough. We had a kind of like a shutdown period and we work with, uh, hot metal. We provide metal for, a, for Bodine. And so, uh, a couple of burns, uh, jackhammering. I was jackhammering so much in these furnaces and when I got home, it felt like I still had it in my hand, jackhammering when I was, when I was at home. but... Uh, it's just one of the processes we go through, um, in shutdown, especially when, uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, you have those two shutdowns a year, but praise God we get through that and, uh, we're here today to worship God. Amen. Amen. Uh, this story of the transfiguration, um, as I was putting this together, it was, some thoughts came across my mind of why this event actually happened. So this morning, what I want to do is not only put some questions, and answer those questions by Scripture and Scripture alone, but also put into places who is Jesus. That question should arise a lot, because the world will tell you who Jesus is. Um, different religions will tell you who Jesus is, but who is Jesus according to Scripture? Right. So if 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 we take in consideration of what so many religions say about Jesus, if you notice it's always a list of rules and regulations that you have to follow to appease a God. Christianity is a relationship with God, and our God did the work for us. Amen. Amen. God. Thank God for that. Let me pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, as my brother says, broken vessels, full of so many things, Lord, that's displeasing. But your son died on the cross for our sins, not his. Heavenly Father, I ask you to remove Darren out of the way and have your way in this service this morning. You've given me things to talk about that is not comfortable for me. Heavenly Father, I know that through every circumstance in life, you are sovereign. You and you alone for salvation, Lord, no other way. Heavenly Father, I pray that hearts and minds be open Not by anything I say, but by your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. This morning I'll be coming from uh, Matthew 17, which is a fresh start in chapter 17, um, verses 1 through 13. After I read these verses, I also want to go into a story that's going to lead us into uh, some answers as to why the transfiguration actually took place, okay? Okay. Um, According to scripture, Um, I don't go. I don't like going into a lot of philosophies of other men and all that, because that's not based on scripture to me. Okay, scripture and scripture alone gives us the answers to all life questions. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, his brother. And led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they please. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. It's amazing how Jesus can make things so very clear, how he can articulate the scriptures because he is the scriptures. How a lot of times we may confuse things in the scriptures because we take them out of context. We have we have a a way of taking things out of context and we can cherry pick scriptures from here and there and make it say whatever we want it to say. Amen. Amen. But when it comes to the scriptures, exegesis, exegesis is very important because the scriptures actually speak for themselves, not an exegesis. I could care less about what man has to say. What I care about is what God has to say. So these things have to be articulated well. So therefore, it, ta- it takes a very depth, in-depth study of the scriptures to understand not only who Jesus is, but why he did a lot of the things that he did. Everything he did had purpose. Amen. Amen. It was a man who was arraigned for murder in Los Angeles about 60 years ago. It was a difficult case with a lot of circumstantial evidence. The man's defense lawyer, however, thought of an ingenuous ploy in his summing up speech. Excuse me. He said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you must find my client not guilty of murder if there is the slightest doubt in your minds that he's not the murderer. And now I have one final witness. The true murderer is about to walk through the door. All eyes swung towards the door, but no one came in. The lawyer continued, you see, ladies and gentlemen, there is doubt in your minds, otherwise you would not have looked towards the door. The jury retired to deliberate and come back five hours, five hours later with a guilty verdict. The lawyer was beside himself. And before the judge could pass sentence, he sprang up and said, but I proved you had a doubt about my client's guilt. How can, how can you possibly find him guilty? An old wise man in the jury stood up and said, As everyone looked towards the door, I watched your client. His eyes did not turn towards the door. He did not look towards the door because he knew no one was coming through. Because he himself was the guilty one. In contrast to that Los Angeles courtroom where the star witness did not appear, this morning's star witness will appear this morning from the scripture. Praise God he did, amen. And he came to answer the question that was on everyone's lips at the time. Who is Jesus? Who was his star witness who was going to testify on behalf of Jesus and who he was? He was none other than God the Father. Who answered the question by revealing Jesus' glory to the disciples, Peter, James, and John. And by saying, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Those last three words, listen to him. And now the relevance of all this for us was summed up in three simple words. Listen to him. Jesus is God's son. And we need to listen to him. The gospel story is known as the story of transfiguration from the Latin term transfiguratio. It refers to the remarkable transformation that once took place in the appearance of Jesus. And when I was studying these passages, my first question was, why did this event take place? Why did such a remarkable event like this take place? A key to the answer or one of the keys to the answer can be found in the context of the story. In the previous chapter of Matthew 16, we read that people have been asking this question, who is Jesus? Right. For for example, in Matthew 16, 13 through 15, it says, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Right. Right. So who do people say that the Son of Man is, is Jesus' question. Now, it is clear from their response that this must have been a hot topic. I can just only imagine how many people were going around as Jesus was performing miracles and, and feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000. His name became very, very popular, and people wanted to know who he was, but were their reasons or their intentions behind why they wanted to know who Jesus was really the real question that needs to be answered, okay? So people was asking this question, who who is the son of man? Who is this? Now, as we can see, that it was very clear from their response that it was a hot topic. Because in verse 14, look at what they say. They say, well, the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. If it hadn't been hot gossip at the time, they wouldn't have said that. right? So we can gather that. From scripture. But it wasn't just the crowds or the people who were talking about Jesus. His own disciples was asking the same question. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 15. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter takes this test and answers it not because Peter was more intelligent, not because Peter had more wisdom, but because God revealed this to Peter. Amen. Right. So Peter asks the question and takes it for behalf on the, all the disciples. He says, you are the Christ or in some translations, you are the Messiah in the Hebrew. The son of the living God. You ask people that question today and they'll go all around that question. Amen. They'll give you all when Jesus is love. Yeah, he is. He is, but he also is part of wrath. And if you continue to live in sin, you will find that out. Sometimes it may seem as if I'm harsh, but how other can I preach this, people? I lived a life like this. And it was only by the blood of Jesus Christ that brought me out of it. We can go on and on about different stories that people put together about who Christ is. We can go on for days with that. But who is he? And God, the Father, answers this question. And he continues to answer. So through this sermon, you will continue to hear me say who is Jesus. And bit by bit from the scriptures, we'll start to find out. We'll peel back who Jesus is according to scripture. Amen. So the question of who this Jesus is was burning on everyone's lips. And like I said, in the previous uh, chapter 16, we see what? We see human responses to who Jesus is, right? Verse 17, I mean, chapter 17, we see what? A divine response. Because who's speaking now? God the Father is. And he's answering the critics' questions. He's answering who Jesus is. And who better to answer that, who's better to be the star witness, than God the Father? Right? So God the Father wanted to answer the question with a definite answer. A once and for all answer who is Jesus? Let's look at the transfiguration in more detail. There are three major events that occurred. And you can either kind of write this down or you can just kind of memorize it however you want. The first is Jesus' appearance was transformed. Number one. Number two, Moses and Elijah appear with him on the mountain. And thirdly but not least, God the Father spoke to the disciples, Right? And all of these was part of the Father's response to the question, who is Jesus? So number one, Jesus was transfigured. Number two, Moses and Elijah appeared with him, Christ, on the mountain. And thirdly but not least, God spoke to the disciples. All of these was part of the Father's response to the question, who is Jesus? Can we, according to Scripture, and only by Scripture, say with the absolute certainty that Jesus is creator? Yes. Of course we can. Turn with me to the gospel of John chapter one. And I'm going to turn with you. So this is going to be kind of a Bible study this morning. Amen. Praise John chapter one. Just give me an amen when you get there. Look at verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Go down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we can see that. Yes, because the scripture tells us in verse three that he is the creator because without him, anything that was made would not be made. Amen. So we can see who Jesus is. We're starting to see. We're starting to do as this lawyer did to examine the evidence by scripture of who Jesus is. Dismiss the fact of religion. Dismiss the fact of what the world says. Let's look at scripture. Let's examine further. The scriptures, let's keen in on the first significant event. The actual transfiguration. Remember, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Right? Jesus led Peter, James, and John up a high mountain. Probably Mount Hermon. Which is about 2,814 meters above sea level. So you could see how high this mountain is you gather that because location and studying history is very important timelines are very important yes. okay because when someone asks you as first peter 3:15 asks you about the faith that lies within you we're prepared to, we must be prepared to have an answer right. a lot of people study the scriptures so they can debate christians so they can debate you they know a lot more about the scriptures than a lot of christians do Yeah, I understand. I know that's kind of, you know, mind boggling, but it's true. See, so many people that claim to be Christians and live like devils. Taking the Lord's name in vain is not using a cuss word per se. It's claiming to be a Christian, yet you live like you don't know who Jesus is. That's what's taking his name in vain is. Amen. So remember, Jesus' trigger was transformed. His appearance was transformed. There was a transfigure before them. His face, the scriptures say, shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Part of the father's response to the question, who is Jesus, was to reveal Jesus in his full glory. You see that? Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. You may recall a similar incident in the Old Testament. Moses came down the mountain having been in the presence of God and his face shone so much reflecting the glory of God that he had to wear a veil. Matter of fact, and let's not just talk about that. Let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 34. Second book of your Bible. Exodus, chapter 34. Yes, ma'am. Exodus, chapter 34. We'll start at verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain... Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, He put a veil over his face. In the same way as the glory of the Most High was reflected in Moses, so God the Father revealed to Peter, James, and John, Jesus in his glory. God the Father gave the disciples clear visual evidence of who Jesus is. Now, Let's look at the second significant event that happened at the transfiguration was that Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus and began talking with him. Now the question may arise, what does what does this actually mean? Why was Moses and Elijah there? Why were they there? For one, Moses and Elijah represent the the what they represent was was the oh, the law, actually the Ten Commandments. They represent the law and the prophets, our Old Testament. And it's significant that after God the Father had spoken, Moses and Elijah disappeared and Jesus alone remained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. As I mentioned, there are so many people that will debate this very part of Scripture and tell you all type of things. Right? Another thing I'm glad to see was today was the youth, praise God, standing up for Christ, going to Haiti and, and doing your thing with the music. Because nowadays we see a generation of the millennials, as they call them, that know nothing about Christ and could care less who He is. But does that stop us from preaching the gospel? It shouldn't. Look how many people rejected Jesus. And if we're gonna be his disciples, there's gonna we're gonna to have to deal with rejection. T. D. Jakes just the other day, yeah, I'm on these preachers again. T.D. Jakes was just on television the other day saying we must accept uh gay marriage or gay relationships in the church. It must be accepted. That's what he said. A world known. He called himself a preacher. Heretic. Yes. No, it must not be accepted. Who told you that? God has given me a ministry to speak about the things that a lot of preachers are scared to talk about. I know this. There's a lot of things I don't want to do, but I have to. First of all, because I love you. Second of all, this is God's will. For us to see what he has said for years, way back 2,000 years ago, that these things were going to take place. And now we see it transformed right before our eyes. People, I don't have anything against it. I don't, I'm not saying we should hate them. That's not what I'm saying. But there comes a time where the truth of the scripture must stand. And if God's against it, we must be against it. But at the same time, when we represent Christ, we have to know who we're representing. Because a lot of us don't know who Christ is. Hmm. So Elijah, dis- Elijah and Moses disappeared and Jesus alone remained. Now you may be asking, well, why was Moses used as an example for the, for the glory of Jesus? Good question. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Y'all are so full of questions (laughs) this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll start at verse twelve. Oh, sorry, about that. I was warning. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm off here. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 12, starting at verse 12 says, since we have such hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites must might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. I took us there because a lot of times when you're studying, studying history, a lot I've been sticking around the, uh, the, the, the post-apostolic church with leaders like Ignatius and Athanasius and, and he had opposition uh, like Arius. And from Arius took the, from the position at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, he, took, he defended from the position of saying that, that, that God was a created being. You can get from that that stems off that. You have Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, you know, that type of religion stems from that. And Athanasius defended from the point that Jesus is the only begotten son of God, right? You had historians that was there, Eusebius, who who took these things. Josephus Josephus wrote these things down, right? So we have all these bishops, and we have the most copies of any other so-called religion out there of the true gospel. Okay. So these are the questions that a lot of times a lot of people will debate you on because they don't figure you know these things. Right? That was, that happened for a reason because a lot of people or a lot of, uh, debaters or a lot of historians may say, well, you know, that's where they created Christ- Christianity. That's where Christianity was created at the Council of Nicaea. Really? Because 12 years earlier, the Edith of Milan, By Constantine, which was the eradication of Christians, Mm -hmm. the persecution of Christians. Mm -hmm. So if Christianity was created in three hundred twenty five AD, well what happened in three hundred thirteen AD then? And they can't answer that. See? It's studying and knowing who Christ is. Amen. So as one Bible commentator put it, the law and the prophets have served their term and turn and pass away. He who is the fulfillment of both alone remains. Let me read that again. The law and the prophets have served their turn and pass away. He who is the fulfillment of both alone remains. Christ. Amen. He who is the fulfillment of both alone remains. Who is Jesus? Another aspect of God the Father's answer is that Jesus is the one who will replace The old covenant. The old covenant represented by Moses and Elijah has passed away and the new covenant has come through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The new covenant is a relationship with Jesus. A man in one of his parishes was discussing the difficulty of getting people in the village to come to church. And one of the parishioners said to him, how can I answer people when they say I live a good life? In fact, I'm as good as those who go to church. I don't need to come to church. The, the, and the answer to that lie in the fact that Christianity does not equate to you being good. But rather lies in our relationship with Jesus. We come to church to worship the most high God. God did not save us because we deserve to be saved. God saves us because he himself is a savior. Amen? Amen. God does not love us because we deserve to be loved. Because what we deserve is hell. That's what we deserve. God loves us because he chose, in his own sovereign will, has chosen to love us because he himself is love. The world said love is two men getting married, two women getting married, going out partying all night, having fits and throwing all types of things. That's 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 the world's definition of love. That's a sick definition because that's nothing according to scripture. First John chapter three, verse 23, Jesus said, this is his command that we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love you one another just as he commanded. John chapter four, verse four, Jesus said, greater is he is within you than he who is in the world. He's been judged already. Right? He came to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Hmm. The third significant event that happened at the transfiguration was that God the Father told the disciples who Jesus is. Look at verses five through seven. He says he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from that cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. Right. So we see from verses five through seven. It's interesting that when God the father spoke, he simply said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Who is Jesus? God the Father tells us that Jesus is his son. And he is. Jesus is God. A lot of people say, oh, no, Jesus ain't God. No, no, he was a great prophet. He was a great man. He he spoke of a lot of good things. Really? Titus chapter 2, verse 13. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Verses 1 through 3. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. We have it everywhere. Oneness Pentecostalists will tell you this that is there's only one God. I agree. But he's three in person. So they call you Trinitarian. Call it Trinitarianism. All these isms. I told you that before. So many isms. Isn't it? (laughs) You see God, the Father, talking here. We see the Son on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. At the end of Matthew chapter 3, we see the Holy Spirit descend out of heaven like a dove. There's the three. How can you argue with that? There's a deception so strong the Bible says that even the, almost the very elect could be fooled. And we can see that. And it comes from through churches, how preachers preach, how they articulate the gospels, how they lie, how they try to get people to come in so their pockets can be filled, instead of preaching the gospel. There was one preacher that said, oh well, you sometimes you gotta give the people what they want in order to give them what they need. No. No. Where did you get that concept? What they need is Jesus Christ and the scriptures being spoken and someone who's going to stand up for the scriptures, no matter the cost. There's a lot of people who are scared to talk about these things. Either because of intimidation or or their lives being threatened. Look, people to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if he gave up his for me to save a wretch like me, there's no hesitation it with mine. I was a gang member for years. Saw bullets. People die. And I said then that I'm going to live a life to these streets and I'm going to be dedicated to them until I die. Now I'm a gangster for Christ. And I'm going to represent him till I die. Amen? As I mentioned, it's interesting to see that when God the Father spoke, he simply said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So he's solidifying the fact of who Christ is, and he's answering these critics' questions. Who is Jesus? God the Father tells us that Jesus is his son. Jesus is revealed here as God the Son. Amen? Amen? And the relevance to us today is this. God the Father's final three words were listen to Jesus. And when God the Father had finished speaking, Elijah and Moses were gone and only Jesus remained. This speaks to me of the supremacy of Jesus. You know what else is interesting? It's this, that God the Father did not say listen to Jesus and Moses and Elijah, did he? No, he didn't. He just simply said, listen to Jesus. Jesus also made some very bold and outstanding claims. For example, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. What does the world say? Oh, you dig down deep enough, you can save yourself. You, all you have to do is just find it. It's down in there deep within you, and you just you just have to find out how to dig. Well, how deep do you have to dig? Because <laughs> you'd be digging a lifetime, and then you'll find yourself in hell from digging. And there's a lot of us being led that way because we're not familiar with the Scriptures. We're not familiar with the God of the Bible. We're not familiar with who Jesus is, the only begotten Son of God who died for our sins and on the third day was raised. That's the gospel. First Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4 with emphasis on verses 3 and 4. He died for our sins according to the scriptures Mm -hmm. and that he was buried and that on the third day rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. That's the whole gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey said that there's so many different pathways to God. I said, oh yeah, the, the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and even atheists. Yeah, they just, you just find your own path, you carve out your own path and it all leads back to God. You hypocrite. And people are believing this mess. And so then they go out and say, because she has this big platform, this big stage, they think that, okay, well this is the truth. So they go out and they tell other people the same thing. And then those people go out and tell other people. See how they're being discipled? But who is she discipling for? It ain't God. Satan. So I will say boldly that there is no other way to God than through Jesus. We do not have rules and regulations to keep to get to heaven. It is not a matter of being good. It doesn't matter to the Most High who your family is or how many organizations you are a part of. Rather, it is a matter of coming through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He can care less what your last name is. Who you are it means nothing. You think, because this preacher, uh, my good friend now, Jared, we ride together going to work. He's a preacher down in Vandalia. And I'll be there at his church the first of August, I think we agreed to. And it's amazing how the Spirit of God works, because a lot of times we will get on a conversation. He'd be like, man, I just preached that last week. Or, or, you know, I'll be like, man, we was just talking about that. You know, how the Spirit works within the body and stuff. And, and how all of the body of Christ need to know who Jesus is, okay? Blacks, whites, Haitians, Africans. Look, we all should be able to worship together as one body. Amen. Not a division. Baptists over here, Christians over here, Protestants over here. You know, all, Come on, people. These divisions was man-made. Nowhere in scripture does it say, Jesus say, okay, now since you were a Baptist all these years, you accepted. I don't see that. He says from every people, tongue, language, and nation, I will draw unto me a people for myself. Amen. So rather it is a matter of coming to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So here's the final conclusion or the application. The question that I would like to leave with you is this. Who do you think Jesus is? If you believe what God the Father said, then the challenge is this. Are our hearts prepared to listen to what Jesus has to say in our lives? Are we prepared to be the Christian that he has called us? To be no matter the circumstance. Well, we can't talk about that at work. So what? How many times do you see in the scriptures with Paul and and Priscilla and they were at their jobs making tents and they were talking about Christ the whole time? You don't think there was repercussions at their job? There was a young kid came up to me a few weeks ago, said his mother told him. If you don't get baptized, you're going to hell. Okay. So he comes to me, he said, you're, you're a preacher, right? I said, yeah. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, go ahead. He says, is this true? I said, well, what is it? He said, my mom told me that if you don't get baptized, that you go to hell. I said, and not to disrespect your mom or anything like that, but that's nowhere in the Bible. That if you don't get baptized, you go to hell. Let's look at the example of the thief on the cross. Did he get baptized? No, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and who Jesus was. And he was saved that very day, right? He said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I said, baptism is this. It's an outward expression of the transformation that has taken place within you through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what that's what baptism is. And then people have turned that into a doctrine. Like Creflo Dollar said, if you don't tithe, you should be killed. Well, he told his congregation one morning? And you know, to have a ditch dug out, and those who come in, he wants to have this, these little computers set up in the front. And if you don't pay your tithe, and then your name come across says crook, crook, crook on this little screen, and then you go out the side door, because he said you don't want to disturb services. And you shoot him in the head and throw him in the ditch. And his congregation was laughing at him. This is the stuff that's being preached. Absolutely ridiculous, people. Who is Jesus? The only begotten son of God. Who was there in the beginning. Who is creator. Who is savior. Who is redeemer. Who is a friend. And there's no other way to Christ but through him. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you have to say, Heavenly Father. We know that in this world, Lord, there is many trials and tribulations from Heavenly Father. But your son says, Jesus says, take heart for I've overcome the world. What a precious gift we have in Christ. Heavenly Father, we know that there is no other way but by Jesus and him alone. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that we have in salvation that only you can provide. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who have appointments with doctors and and may... May your will be expressed through the doctors. May your will come through no matter what the circumstance is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all these things in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.